It's time for my visit with Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News, Baldry's Beat. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, I spoke to Mike Farnworth, yeah. the Solicitor General, this morning. He was the first guest on the show. We talked about the travel restrictions that kicked in last week, and we also talked about these looming roadblocks and police checkpoints. So continuing to say, yeah, these are coming. They will be deployed. We're going to get more information later this week. He's working with the police behind the scenes to figure out how they're going to work. So we got into some of the details about how this is actually mm-hmm. going to work. It's very interesting. Let me play a couple of clips here for you. Now, here is Farnworth uh, speaking to me earlier on the show today uh, saying that the cops if you are stopped at one of these roadblocks he's saying police will have discretion okay and whether to let you through and travel here he is they would have this you know i fully expect they will have discretion it's not about just handing tickets out for the sake of common sense uh in my view uh always helps to solve a lot of problems okay as farn was speaking to me earlier today your thoughts well yeah i don't see how you can have any uh any kind of different system it has to be discretion for the police you can't list every single possible exemption in a health order you have to give uh, broad discretionary powers to the enforcement personnel and that's what you're going to see it'll probably be applied differently at different um, checkpoints uh, because police will have different um, rules of judgment but i don't think it's going to vary greatly uh, and again the goal is just to decrease people traveling and to provide an inconvenience to people who aren't traveling for, for essential And purposes. he made the argument that it's already working. Like, he, he's saying that... Yeah, ferry traffic's down. Ferry traffic was down on the weekend. We've already heard about lots of cancellations at destination uh, towns like Euclid and Tofino. They're saying, look, oh, we're getting cancellations like crazy. So he's saying, like, it's working. Yep. It's already working. The goal is not, or the expectation is never to get 100% compliance. It's yeah. simply to push down the number of people doing certain activities. Therefore, decreasing the chances of the virus spreading. But if you if you had a uh, hundred thousand people traveling, yeah, obviously that would spread the virus. If you get that number down to ten thousand, that's going to have a huge impact on cutting into the, the there case are, numbers. There are going to be situations though where people are traveling and they're going to be having an interesting discussion with a police officer at a roadblock, and they're going to be making you know explanations yeah. about why the why the traveling is happening, and the police are going to have to make a judgment but I, call. I don't think you're going to have anywhere near the number of people traveling on the May long weekend as you normally would because yeah. of these orders. Because do you really want to sit in a lineup for two hours in the sun? Do you really want to sit on a three-sailing weight at a ferry terminal? Nobody likes to go through that. Right. So this is, you know, they're trying to tamp it down off the bat by just discouraging people to mm-hmm. travel. Uh, one, we had a caller in the open line earlier today. Who said, "Look, I've got uh, my mother is in her is I got an elderly mother. She's in her nineties. I'm going. I was planning to go visit her, check on her, see mm-hmm. if she's okay. She lives in the interior. That's a lot. Would, would that be allowed? Yep. And he said, "Yes." Mm-hmm. He, he didn't hesitate. He said, yes, that would be allowed. Now, if you take a look under the, the, the travel that is allowed, this is essential travel. So one of them says getting health care or helping someone to get those services. So, I mean, if, could anyone just go up to one of these roadblocks and say, I'm going to help an elderly relative? You can and, the, say, and the cop just waves you on your way. You're not going to be checked on that. You're just going to be taken at your words. What we're seeing on BC Ferries right now, there's a, the, the um, rule at BC Ferries from management to staff is you take people at their word. You don't challenge them. You don't say, I don't believe you. Uh, you just take them at the word, and you hope that people are playing by the book. It's basically an honor system. Yeah. And it's going to be an honor system on the ferries. It's going to be an honor system at Roblox. Now, if you show up with a fifth wheel and, you know, uh, with, a, with a boat uh, being towed, you're going to probably be challenged on that, saying, really? Is that essential? Or are you going to your lake? That So you may be turned around if you come in with a an obvious uh, pleasure travel package. Another thing I asked him about, and I was glad he was able to clarify this, is that he's frequently compared these roadblocks to a counterattack 
style drunk driving roadblock. And he said again this morning, it's going to be like that. Which means so, everybody's checked. That's right. So I said to him, so that means the cops are not going to pick and choose who they stop. Everyone will be stopped. Is that right? Well, and he I, said yes. I, I, yeah. But I wonder in practice whether they'll wave commercial um, trucks through because they are essential. They're, they're stipulated. Commercial tr- vehicles are and we're talking, you know, you're going to pull over every 18 wheeler or you're just waving no, through, you know, you see, you see a big, you know, save on foods truck coming up. They're going to get waved through. They're not going to be challenged. Yeah, right. Okay. I also asked, he also talked a little bit about um, how these roadblocks will be targeted in the lower mainland. And here's what he had to say about that. There's been a lot of misconceptions. Uh, there was a sense that, you know, of, uh, that, uh, oh, this is going to be all over the province. It's not. It, it, the reality is it is, it is at, at the key uh, intersection point between the lower mainland and the interior, which, as I said, is really at that Hope Chilliwack area where the three highways uh, uh, come together. Okay. And okay. that would be where you would, take, uh, you, you would do it. Hope Chilliwack is where you could see them. Yeah, and and he's been clear about this before. It's basically there's two or three place ways into um, Metro Vancouver, and it's not to police Boundary Road, or or this or the um, Iron Workers Bridge. It's we're yeah. talking about places to get out of town and into the interior. So there's relatively few checkpoints are going to be established. Interesting, he hasn't mentioned the Sea to Sky because I think mm. there's a lot of people who travel between Squamish and Metro Vancouver. So. Uh, and, and Whistler's closed, basically, so there's not much need for a lot of traffic there. Okay, let's talk about some of the the numbers um, that came out yesterday with the latest pandemic numbers. Let's listen to Dr. Bonnie Henry here uh, speaking yesterday where she says that the main driver of the virus spread is still indoors. Here's what she said. Since we have put in the suite of measures that we did uh, uh, a number of weeks ago, and, uh, and increasingly people have... Um, decrease the number of social contacts they've had, no matter what context that was in. We are still seeing that transmission is primarily related to social connections in people's homes, um, where they have groups of people over, when they're meeting with groups of people indoors. Your thoughts? Yeah, so I reported last night again, um, our daily case numbers are down significantly than they were a week ago when when the circuit breaker was extended. The number of active cases is down significantly and has been dropping for some time. The number of people in self-isolation is continues to drop by large numbers every day. And interesting, her reference there to uh, we have fewer contacts. The contact tracers are picking up the point that uh, as they interview people who have the virus or have been exposed to the virus, that their, their recounting of their, their uh, connections are fewer contacts, which is good, which is a reason why the case numbers are dropping. What's still concerning, though, is the number of people in hospital continues to be very high. It's like 70 people a day are going into hospital. Now, just as many are getting checked out. So 70 a day? There's 70 new cases? Well, there were, there 70 were, new admissions there a day? were 202 uh, more hospitalizations from Friday to Monday, so th- over three days, almost not quite 70, but uh, close oh, to it. Okay. That number had been a lot higher uh, before. We were, we were tracking at 300 uh, hospitalizations a week a few weeks ago, then 400 hospitalizations a week. That number's starting to go down, but it's still going to remain very high. So, and the number of people, 17 people died over the weekend. That was a high number uh, in terms of, of average of deaths a day. So that's up a bit. So the good news is, uh, and this is right across the country, we're seeing this, case numbers are down, active cases are down, but hospitalizations and ICU numbers still remain very, very high. Okay, so there is some cause for optimism there if case numbers are going down. Is that a factor of the, the circuit breaker restrictions that they brought in combined with more people getting vaccinated? Yep. Yeah, uh, it appears to be. Her point is that people, though, 
you know, circuit breaker doesn't affect, well, there's no mechanism for it to affect people gathering in homes. You're not supposed to gather in each other's homes, but people are still doing that. We're still seeing work site transmission. Yeah. Uh, as of last Friday, uh, almost 50 establishments in Fraser Health Authority have been closed for at least 10 days because three or more workers or, or people at the site tested positive for the virus, and it was established that it was the virus tr- was transmitted at the work site. And it's interesting, about 13 of those were industrial manufacturing plants in Fraser Health, about half of them in Surrey. But interesting, nine fitness centers, nine gyms and dance studios were closed, and that's where the virus was spread. Even though people aren't supposed to be gathering there, the virus was still hitting a lot of people there. Shamil in Coquitlam, hi. Hey, um, I'm a little disappointed. I don't think that a couple of roadblocks out in Chilliwack and Hope are going to do much to curb the spread. Um, I think it's another half measure, and you guys said that it's going to be an honor system, which hasn't worked thus far based on the case counts and everything going on. So I don't think it's going to do too much. They're opening up Playland, which is kind of going yeah. against, you know, restrictions. So it doesn't really make much sense to me. They what, do you, to do what, do you think they, what do you think they should do? Well, first of all, now that we've acknowledged kids are finally transmitting and getting sick, let's start with the schools where you got 25 kids in a classroom in a poorly ventilated space. Okay, Keith. Well, you know, she said over and over that there's there's no, there hasn't been widespread transmission in schools. Yeah, right? public health view, take it for what it's worth, is that the benefits of opening school outweigh the risks of opening school. This has always been a balance between benefits and risks, yeah. and that's been clear from day one. Uh, that it's unrealistic to expect the virus to completely disappear. You have to learn how to contain it and live with it. And the mental health has always been a very top priority with Dr. Bonnie Henry, and that means keeping kids in school. Okay, what about Playland? You worked down there for years back when you were a carny. A long time ago. <laughs> what do you think of opening Playland? Fond, fond, I love Playland. It was interesting. Dr. Bonnie Henry was asked twice yesterday about uh, opening Playland. I took away my my. my inference was that she's not too impressed with opening Playland before the May long weekend. I'd be surprised if it opens before the May long weekend. I think she wants basically... When is it supposed to open? I thought it was opening this weekend. I think it was. Uh, But she she certainly said Vancouver Coastal continues to work with Playland to try to figure a way to open safely. So I don't think the final chapter has been written here. Again, I think right now public health is trying to limit as much as possible the activities between now and and the end of the May long weekend, that's when we're going to hit about 60, 65% vaccination rate. And mm. I think until we get there, they want a minimal amount of activities. Mike and Langley. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, Just good. Uh, two quick points here. You know, um, first of all, I find this whole thing somewhat confusing when you've got Costco and Walmart and, I mean, Home Depot. It's an absolute frenzy in there. Sure, people are wearing masks, but you can't tell me that there's, you know, proper cleaning and, you know, touch points, all that kind of stuff. You know, but I can't drive up, you know, in my car with a mask, you know, to go fishing at my property in the interior. Secondly, the execution of this is, is just, I've lost all confidence in this government. You, you know, why is it taking 10 days to implement a new health order? You know, this, 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 they should have the plan in place and come out and say it's happening tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you for the call. Your, yeah, your fair, fair points. Uh, it is a bit of a mystery why it's taking so long to... Well, they're uh, making it up as they go along, I think, and, and they've, re- they've, uh, they've got some opposition from the police happening behind the scenes, I think. Yeah, it could on, be. On I the mean, well, the union president is, is concerned, but I think, as I mentioned before... Well, also the union at the BC Ferries had concerns, too. 
But now they're 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 been somewhat placated because they're not being asked to be the police, and that yeah. was their concern. They didn't want to be the the essential police, and they're not going to be the essential police. As for Costco and Walmart, well, they've already got this health order in place. They can shut places down if there's an there's outbreak. a number of uh, not Home Depot, but Home Depot like uh, services in Fraser Health that have been shut because yeah. of uh, hmm. this new health order of three or more people testing positive on a premise. Gene and Langley, hi, Gene. Hi there. Hi. I'm one. I'm wondering, uh, people in the Fraser Valley in Vancouver are being discouraged from traveling to the Okanagan, the interior health. Is anything being done to help dissuade people from interior health coming down here? Yeah. Well, well, I, I imagine there'd be roadblocks yeah. going the other way, two, too. Two-way two checkpoints. It's yeah. not just to prevent or mainland people from going to the interior. Although he seemed to suggest, when I when I was talking to Farmer Thurial today, he seemed to suggest it was more about people leaving the lower mainland and going to the well, interior. It, it, but, I mean, it goes both they, they can stop them both but, ways. But it's also based on population. And there's far more people who live in Metro Vancouver than live in the interior, yeah. for example. So that's where the bulk of travel has occurred. Chris and Langley. Hey, Chris. Yeah, just a couple quick things. Uh, all these people complaining about these uh, new restrictions, obviously it's uh, to to curb the, the 10% or whatever that don't follow rules. We've seen it before last year when they said don't go traveling, and then you look at the highways and they're full of people saying, screw it, I'm different, I'm special. You guys had a segment the other day earlier last week, and uh, everybody's calling in, well, what about me? I got... I got six wheels on my car. Can I go? I mean, they're just making up any kind of excuse to try to skirt the rules. And then the other side of it is Dr. Bonnie Henry. Maybe she should start to get a little bit of credit. That Eric Ding guy you had on was a big major reason why she received a lot of criticism. And he perpetuated a lot of it through Twitter. And I'd like you to have him back on if you could, especially if the numbers start to continue to decrease, to hear what now he has to say with the measures that she did put in place that he was critical of is actually yeah. working. Okay, thank you for a good call. Eric Feigelding is a very high-profile epidemiologist in the United States. He's got like almost a million Twitter followers or something, and he's featured on CNN and stuff. And we've had him on a couple of times because mm -hmm. he's been very critical of the measures taken here in British Columbia. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I've corresponded with him a couple of times as well. He's very controversial. He's very good at promoting his uh, view. He's um, But a lot of the stuff he said, like I did get some pushback from people for having him on, saying, oh, this guy's an alarmist. Why are you putting him on? A lot of the stuff he said, I, I don't think he was wrong. No, no. He's, he's just not 100% correct, but he, he, wow. takes, he takes... What was he not correct on? No, he takes... Well, he's, he's taken some controversial positions. He compared yeah. to saying we were worse than Florida, for example. The death rate in Florida far exceeds the death rate in B.C. So okay. Cherry picks some stats, but uh, he's, he's entertaining. I'll give him that. I, I do follow <laughs> him on Twitter. Okay, Scott in Vancouver. Hey, Scott. Hi, uh, guys. Uh, Hi. One, one stat I never hear anything about is uh, what... Uh, total deaths have been uh, pre-COVID versus uh, COVID on an annualized basis, and uh, I, I'm, I'm not an anti. I just I, you know, it's a stat that never comes out, and uh, the other one that never comes out is that uh, the recovery rate is some 99.7 percent. I mean, it's uh, okay. We got I mean, we got 30 seconds. I know, I know, that, I know that everybody wanted to have the, the pants uh, scared off everybody, but uh, the, let's hear the other side. 30 seconds. Well, there is no other side. In terms of the recovery rate, uh, recovery is the wrong word to describe this. There's so many people who are past the incubation period are deemed to be recovered, but they're the, what are called the long haulers. They continue to have symptoms that go on for months. There's many people who remain very ill. We have two clinics set up in Metro Vancouver to deal with the, with these situations, which is a very serious right. situation. So, And the death rate, more people have died this year than last year. Thank you, Keith. Keith Baldry, that's Baldry's Beat. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. 
We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.